Hello all, thanks for tuning in today. As some of you may know, I am a third grade teacher and each year in the first few days of school, I split my students into groups of two and to give them each a tube of toothpaste, a paper plate, and a toothpick. I tell them that this will be a two-part challenge. I set the timer for one minute and tell the students to get as much toothpaste out of the tube and onto the plate as they possibly can before the timer goes off. As the timer goes off the first time, I look around the classroom to see some pretty smug faces. As teammates high-five and cheer, they know they got it. They are ready for the next step. After the high-fives and whoops of success have calmed down, I reveal part two of the challenge. Use the toothpick and put it all back into the tube. I'm sure you can imagine the almost immediate cries of what and no way with a background chorus of ah! But the time to complain is very short as I yell, ready, set, go! And start another minute timer. Kids rush to stuff the slimy toothpaste back into the teeny hole it came out of. Some try to develop a strategy working in near silence. Others just scoop and stuff at random. Still more grumble and groan under their breath or louder than should be allowed in a classroom. The whole gamut of emotions in one room. Tensions are high. Toothpaste is everywhere. Beep, 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 beep. A brief moment of silence. And then the groaning really begins. That's not fair. We need more time. I'm all sticky. And the one team still silently working in the corner as if I can't see them. After discovering that none of the teams were successful, the kids begin to calm down and we clean up. I asked my students how they felt getting the toothpaste out and how it felt attempting to get it back in. Then I explain that our words are like toothpaste. They come tumbling out pretty easily, but it is impossible to ever fully take them back. And in the process, you get all sticky. There is toothpaste everywhere. There are repercussions to what we say. Our words are important and they have consequences. We are going to hear the story of a man who learned this lesson the hard way. We have been doing a series on the book of Judges. So far, you have heard about Deborah, Barak, and Gideon. This next judge's name is Jephthah. In their overview of Judges, the Bible Project describes how Judges goes chronologically from pretty good to okay to bad to worse. Jephthah is one of the judges we would place in the bad category. Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty warrior born to a prostitute. His father's other sons grew up and decided that Jephthah did not deserve any of the family inheritance because of his mother and his illegitimate birth. So they drove him away. Jephthah settled down in the land of Tob, just outside of the borders of the nation of Israel. In Tob, a gang of scoundrels gathered around him and followed him. Sometime later, the Ammonites attacked Israel and Israel needed a strong leader to defend them. The elders of Gilead, some of whom may well have been Jephthah's own brothers, asked Jephthah to come and be their commander. Jephthah replied, 
Didn't you hate me and drive me from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you are in trouble? The elders responded that if Jephthah came back and helped them, then he would become the head of all of Gilead. So Jephthah went. He first tried to use his words to reason with the Ammonite king. He used natural pragmatism to reason with him and to say that the land belonged to Israel, that it had been given to them by God. The king of Ammon, however, paid no attention to the message that Jephthah sent him. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. He crossed Gilead and Manasseh, passed through Mizpah of Gilead, and from there he advanced against the Ammonites. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. If you give the Ammonites into my hands, whatever comes out of the door to my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites will be the Lord's, and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Oof, what a vow. Jephthah will come to wish that he had never said those words. The story continues that Jephthah went over to fight the Ammonites and the Lord gave them into his hands. He devastated 20 towns and thus Israel subdued Ammon. When Jephthah returned to his home in Mizpah, who should come out to meet him but his daughter, dancing to the sound of timbrels. She was an only child. Except for her, he had neither son nor daughter. When Jephthah saw her, he tore his clothes and cried, Oh no, my daughter, you have brought me down and I am devastated. I have made a vow to the Lord that I cannot break. My father, she replied, you have given your word to the Lord. Do to me just as you promised, now that the Lord has avenged you of your enemies, the Ammonites. His daughter asked for two months to grieve with her friends, and then he did to her as he had vowed. Jephthah's words proved to be very important, and they had dire consequences. It's evident throughout the story that Jephthah was gifted with his words. He was a natural-born leader and used his words to gather men around him and to reason with the Ammonites. But he also used them poorly to make a vow and try to manipulate the Lord. You see, our words really do matter. In the New Testament, James describes our words this way. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. 
My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. James 3, verses 3 through 12. Our tongues or our words can quickly lead us away to evil. No person can tame the tongue without divine grace and assistance. Recently, I was camping with my family at Patekoe Lake here in New Hampshire. For a couple of days while we were there, it was actually difficult to see the horizon because of a thick haze that had settled. The haze was caused by the forest fires all the way in California. The fires were a long way off, 3,000 miles on the other coast, but there was still a visible impact. This is kind of like how James describes our words. Our words, however small, can have a negative impact. Just one mean comment can start a fire in someone's life. Has this ever happened to you? Have you spoken without thinking or said something mean? Have you made a promise you couldn't keep? Jephthah's words had a huge consequence. After he made his vow, he had to follow through and lost his only child. Verse 35 describes how he tore his clothes and that he was devastated. So why did he do it? Why did Jephthah make this vow? In the ancient world that Jephthah lived in, it was commonplace to make vows like this to various gods. After Jephthah was forced to leave his family, he lived outside of the bounds of Israel's territory. He was surrounded by other cultures, and vows such as this were common in the cultures that surrounded him. Those cultural norms seeped into Israelite culture too. Even for the Israelites, vows were seen as unbreakable. One historian commented that a vow was as good as done as soon as it was spoken. Jephthah's vow cost him dearly. It's not our cultural norm to make vows like Jephthah, but we do have negative ways of using words in our cultural zeitgeist. A common practice today is to make empty promises, especially in New England. How many times have you heard someone say, we should definitely meet up. I'll call you or I'll text you and then never had any follow through. I know that I'm guilty of this. But our words, even these small promises, are important. Words can also bind us. Think of a child who is told that they are stupid or that they'll never amount to anything. A child who is told that they're too thin, too fat, too lazy. Words like these can be internalized and carried with that child. We can grow up with that hurt burrowing in our hearts. Another phrase that is pretty common to hear these days is to spill the tea. Now, if you haven't heard this before, to spill the tea is to share the current gossip or the personal news of others. This practice of spreading gossip or spreading others' news has an impact on the one whose news we share, but also on us. Gossiping or spilling the tea also has a negative effect on how people view Jesus because we are representing him. Do you recognize yourself in any of this? Not only are our words important, they also have consequences. Jephthah's words had extreme consequences, the sacrifice of his only child. Our words may not have the same end result as Jephthah's, but there are still ramifications. If we don't follow through on promises, however small, 
others will learn that we can't be trusted, or they might believe that they are not wanted or valued. The culture would try to convince you that you should spill the tea, but we need to remember that tea stains. People can be extremely hurt when rumors are spread, whether or not they are true. Jesus and even the Pharisees knew that words would have consequences. In Matthew 21, the Pharisees asked Jesus, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Now, Jesus knew that the answer to this question could have consequences. So he put it back on the Pharisees. Jesus replied, I will also ask you one question. If you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or of human origin? The Pharisees discussed it among themselves and said, If we say from heaven, he will ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the people, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We don't know. Then he said, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. Jesus knew that however he answered the Pharisees' question, there would be consequences. And the Pharisees knew the same. When we are speaking, we need to be aware that our words have consequences. We can hurt others, hurt ourselves, make false promises, and misrepresent Jesus. So what can we do about all of this? It sounds pretty bad, right? Even for Jephthah, who made this terrible vow, God still stepped in and delivered the Ammonites into the Israelites' hands. Jephthah was led astray by his culture, just as many of us have been, but God still came through. We are under a different covenant than Jephthah. God sent his only son into the world to die on the cross so that our sins would be covered by his grace. God gave us a better way. He told us to repent of our sins and turn to God that our sins might be wiped away. Acts 3.19 if we follow the culture, it will only take us away from God. God is the rock on which we stand. Even though we can say the wrong thing and cause pain, there is grace for us. Having been given this abundance of forgiveness and of grace, what else can we do with that? What can we do with this better way? Another popular cultural phenomenon that can carry us away is the idea of cancel culture. In our world today, you can be canceled for saying the wrong thing at the wrong time, or even saying the wrong thing when you didn't know that it was the wrong thing to say. And while yes, our words really do matter and can have very real ramifications, we have been given grace. Jesus died on the cross to cover our sins. We can extend this arm of forgiveness to others who may have wronged us with their words. We can show them the grace of God by forgiving them, just as he forgave us first. Think about when my students tried to stuff the toothpaste back into the tube. It was impossible! And there was a sticky mess left behind. Toothpaste everywhere. But after the challenge was over, I helped my students clean up what was left of the mess. Jephthah made a poor choice with his words, and there was a big consequence, a big mess left behind. Even so, God saved Israel and used Jephthah to bring about his purpose. You see, our words are important and have consequences that we need to take responsibility for, 
but we also serve a sovereign and forgiving God. Even though we make messes with our words, God is big enough to overcome it. There may still be consequences for us on earth, but Jesus came and forgave us. He helps us through the power of his Holy Spirit to heal, apologize, and forgive. Because of his death on the cross, we can put our mistakes behind us and move forward. I would assume that none of us have made an unbreakable vow to kill a daughter. But what consequences have your words had? What effect have you had on others? Are you glorifying God with your tongue or breaking vows and causing pain? Have you ever said words that you regret, that you wish you could have taken back? I urge you to bring that to God, to repent. When we confess it to God, he forgives us. As well as repenting to God, is there someone else that you need to ask forgiveness from? Someone you've wronged? Or do you need to find your own healing from someone else's negative words to you? I encourage you to bring that hurt to Jesus. Let him heal you. Let him replace those negative words with his word. He loves you. He is for you. He created you in his image. You are his treasured possession in Christ. In his recent message on Jonah, Ian shared that if we have truly received God's mercy, it will be reflected in our attitudes towards others. The same is true of our words. If we have truly received God's mercy, if we believe that God sent Jesus to die on the cross, conquer death, and free us from our sins, then that will be reflected in what we say. Our words matter and have consequences. We can ask Jesus to help us grow in the fruit of his spirit, in love, joy, peace, in patience, in kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, so that what comes out of our mouths reflects what is in our hearts. In Ephesians, Paul says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that they may benefit those who listen. We belong to God now. His spirit is in us. We are dearly loved children of God, and what we say should reflect that since we are his children, sanctified and redeemed. Paul also tells us to put off our old selves and to be made new in the attitude of our minds and put on our new selves, created to be like God in true righteousness and in holiness. Let's go out from here, renewed and refreshed, knowing that we get our identity from God, the one who saves. Let's allow him to work through us and to change our hearts, that we may use our words as Jesus did. At New Frontiers Church, we value discussing and weighing God's word in community. I hope that today you were able to watch this message in one of our community groups, with your family, or with some friends. Wherever you are watching this, I hope that you will take some time to consider or to discuss the following questions. Jephthah made a vow that had horrible consequences. Can you think of anything that you've said that you later regretted? What happened? What was the consequence? How did that experience impact you? When we've messed up, what can we do next? How can we ask Jesus to step in? Is there anything you would like prayer for? Have you said something that you need to repent of? Has someone said something to you that needs healing?